0: Well, hello there. It is great to see you again and welcome back to another installment of Through the Wealth Lens. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. And as always, we have the star of our show in Mr. Hannes Grasher, private wealth advisor over at UBS, joining us here in just a moment for another wealth management related discussion. That's what we do here on the show. Uh, Look, as you probably know, if you've joined us for past episodes, Hannes and I, we tackle a different wealth management discussion in each of our episodes. And today we're getting You know, really deep into the family wealth dynamics, you know, and and to kind of set the scene for you a little bit, let's just acknowledge family wealth in the first place. Basically, you know, one of the biggest goals of any family in managing their wealth is that they want to manage it so that it achieves a few different goals, right? And the first being they want to continue to grow that wealth so that it can, you know, be matriculated down to future generations. They want to make sure that that uh, wealth is aligned with the, you know, the values that they hold dear and they can use it to, you know, Achieve the types of things they want to do in life and maybe contribute to the causes that they care about. And then finally, they want to protect that wealth from, you know, any creditors or anybody looking to take it unjustly from them. Well, what we found and what Hannes and his team utilize over at UBS is a unique strategy that can help Ad- really address all of them. And it really starts with ha- making sure the whole family is aligned on the key issues and the goals surrounding that wealth in the first place. So today we're going to get into a specific strategy known as the family constitution. And luckily we've got Hannes aboard to walk us through just what this family constitution is and what it does. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring Hannes aboard and get right into today's discussion. Hannes, how you doing today? Good to see you this morning.
1: Hey Ryan. Good to, good to be back. Um, really interesting topic we're going to tackle
0: today. Yeah, yeah, this is a really good one. And Hannes, you and I, we've chatted about family wealth and the different dynamics at play within families that maybe own a business or just have significant assets in the first place. And today, this is a really good one. It's a nice foundational strategy. So let's start kind of high level here, Hannes. In your experiences, what kind of unique challenges do you see when families with significant assets or just you know affluence in general, You know, attempt to really work together to manage those assets and that wealth overall.
1: Yeah, sure. And those challenges, you know, can be many. And wealthy families are in a really unique situation when it comes to wealth and assets. And that affluence can help families achieve great things and realize their shared visions, of course. But it can also create resentment and rifts that could potentially damage a family's financial position and a lot of times cause estrangement among family members. And we've all heard the 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 horror stories. Um, But so when decisions about significant wealth wealth involve multiple family members from more than one generation, the opportunity for conflicts to arise is greatly magnified. Uh, You know, one situation that is quite common is a family-owned business where some family members are involved in running it and others are not. Either because they're not interested, or because they lack the abilities.
0: Mm-hmm. And and, and Hannes, among some of these specific wealth-related issues, are there any that you you tend to see that arise maybe more among those families that have significant assets, as opposed to maybe you know just a modest amount?
1: Well, Ryan, I think that depends largely on the amount of assets as well as the families involved in a business together. Uh, broadly speaking. As wealthy families grow and expand over time, one big issue is keeping them and their shared capital together. Sometimes the wealth remains commingled because of legal structures such as multigenerational trust. However, family members who feel wronged in some way may take legal actions to try to break such trust, and that creates still greater family disharmony and possibly jeopardizes the family's bottom.
0: So then, Hannes, the, the question that begs to be asked is is what can families then do to create and maintain more harmonious relationships among each other, uh, so that you know their attitudes and really their you know wealth are aligned and everybody's just on the same page together.
1: Exactly, I think the keyword is avoiding. Right, we, we avoid <laughs> sure. these and similar outcomes, and to build uh, to help build and encourage family harmony we suggest that family consider creating a formal family constitution. Sounds a little lofty, but it really is a good thing. And a family constitution can be a really effective tool for dodging some of these serious conflicts and and really facilitating agreement among family members. It can help family members address their concerns and preferences constructively. And often, family constitutions also lay out the future directions and actions the family intends to take. This is an approach we see taken by many of the ultra-affluent families. We talking about net worth of $500 million or more. And they usually have very positive results. It's sort of like a roadmap, right? And it's a step that far more families should consider, even if their net worth is nowhere near that amount
0: hmm. And so, Hannes, let's let's get right into the weeds of it and into the how, if you will. How would you say a family constitution does ultimately promote the better family relationships that everybody's probably striving for, uh, you know, especially as they relate to the family's wealth as a whole?
1: Yeah, sure. So family constitutions start by recognizing that there is contentiousness in nearly all families. I mean, we've seen it in our families as well. Um Family members will disagree, and they will even fight. And so a family constitution seeks to spell out specific ways a family can effectively address conflicts that are almost certain to rise over time and across generations. One of the biggest goals of a family constitution is to prevent the types of family conflicts that can tear families apart and diminish fortunes. Family constitutions are designed to detail how a family will deal with dissent when it, is, when it arises. It can be all kinds of issues, right? When there's a specific method for managing and dealing with family conflicts, and those method, methods are well documented and described, a family can be very effective at reducing infighting and maybe even eliminating it in the best case scenario. So the the whole point of the family constitution is to head off conflicts by promoting communications and striving for consensus among family members around their core principles, values, and long-term intent.
0: Sure. I, I mean, for anybody in our audience right now, Hannes, I'm sure they're thinking to themselves, well, hey, this makes all the sense in the world. I mean, any, the ability to avoid any sort of conflict sounds pretty ideal. So Let's go into the next step then. How would a family go about drafting a family constitution so that it does achieve exactly what you're talking about? Those goals and outcomes that the family as a whole is, does, you know, is is longing for.
1: Right. So a family constitution should, among other things, help your family family fairly address issues around its wealth, which might include assets, just as such as an operating business, a family business. And properties, you know, real estate, art, family, you know, family vacation home, etc., as well as invested wealth and other savings. Specifically, the constitution should spef- specify how the wealth is to be used by family members, what limitations there are, and how the wealth is spent, invested, and donated. Who makes the decisions, and how these decisions are made. Then for also, how family members can provide input or impact the decision-making around the distribution distribution and use of the wealth. And then finally, how family members are prepared to perpetuate family values and manage the family wealth. In general, a family constitution will include three key sections. And the first one is, who is defined as family? So as families become larger, kids get married, et cetera, sometimes decisions are made specifying who is a family member and who's not. For example, some families exclude those who are married into the family. Second, the ideology ideology of the family, uh, and this spells out what the family stands for, including its values and objectives. And then third, reasons for staying together. And this details the rationale for managing joint capital, and the benefits of maintaining family cohesion. The factors such as love and concern, along with financial considerations, are usually part of this section.
0: Roger that. I like the I like how you broke it up into kind of three key sections. And Hannes, that first one that you mentioned, that idea of who uh, I think is a powerful one. So let's get into that a little bit as who is defined as family, who in your eyes from a given family should be involved in, you know, discussing these issues and then creating and ultimately drafting that document.
1: Yeah. So. I think the the, the key decision makers across the family need to be involved in. In in developing a family constitution, it's also necessary to gain consensus among family members. Without broad-based agreements, the family constitution will likely not even be written. And it is and will very likely be contested. And also, a family constitution should be written when family relationships are strong, or at least not strained, not unlike a prenuptial agreement. Um, And that makes consensus more likely. And all the parties should be motivated to reach agreements and develop shared solutions.
0: Okay, makes, makes sense to me, Hannes. But I, my next question for you, and this is more of a point of clarification, I think, for our audience, and that is how, how formal are these family constitutions? For example, are these legal, legally binding documents or are they more like a set of guidelines, recommendations that should be adhered to?
1: So the family constitution is a written document, so it is formal in that sense. However, it's only a set of guidelines and prescriptions. It is not, in most cases, a legal and binding document that must be adhered to, but it should reflect um, the values and the effort and you know that went into writing it to make sure that all the family family members are on the same page. And then you know they so they can hopefully create a constitution together and hopefully pledge to honor it over time.
0: Mm-hmm. And Hannes, you know, when it comes to wealth planning, and we've we've mentioned this a lot on prior episodes, is that idea of making sure things are up to date and relevant as as circumstances and things change. I mean, look at the last few years we've all experienced. Things change. So would you have any advice for our audience then uh, to maybe help ensure that a family Constitution just remains relevant and is adhered to over time as these dynamics change, which they inevitably will in their lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, everything you know, changes is constant, right? We know that. So a huge thing to understand is that a family Constitution must be seen as a living document. Um, it's not static, one and done, um, that you create and then put in a file cabinet will likely be important to modify the constitution over time as family circumstances evolve. Uh, And so if you adopt a flexible approach so that certain family members can be given more authority over time as they get older and more trustworthy, for example, and that approach will encourage family harmony over the years as situations evolve. So for example, we have one client whose great-grandfather created a, a a family foundation the 50s after, after selling an oil company. And um, it was really a visionary. I mean, that foundation now has a billion dollars in assets. And every three years, a different a different family member rotates uh, onto the family foundation board. And they also have a family constitution that sort of prescribes uh, the necessary training, um, et cetera, for those family members to rotate. Just one example, and it's worked well over I want to say now 70 years, right? So it's now the third wow. and fourth generations that are involved.
0: Wow, love to hear that! No, thanks for sharing that example. Always good to kind of see and hear how these are really playing out in real life, and Hannes. Let's, let's get into the who. I know I know we had talked about who is defined as family, but the who as in help. Who could families turn to for help with all of this? And I mean, not only just the process of identifying the values and what makes sense for that given family, but actually the process of also creating the document and then revisiting it, revising it down the road as need be.
1: So mean, gaining consensus really requires openness and cooperation among family members. And to that end, many families use facilitators to help them work through the relational issues and, and the emotions that are often attached to financial issues. We've seen that conversations around the family money can get very intense as they over, very, very often overlap with family history and any acronym, acrimony that exists. And uh, so you know, social and political differences also make conversations around the family money more complicated younger generations are more more engaged in social justice or ESG issues, et cetera. So a neutral third party facilitator can help keep these tensions at bay and keep family family members focused on on agendas instead of anger. And for example, at UBS, we have experts that facilitate these types of family meetings and really help family work through their issues and, and come up with consensus.
0: Uh, That's great stuff Hannes and so Hannes I mean we've covered a lot today in terms of what the family constitution does how it can be developed you know uh, really the essence of the document itself and whether or not it's a legal binding document which we know now it is not it's more of a, a set of guidelines and principles but it'd be great if you could you know in summation bottom line really this family constitution for us and kind of sum up really the the key reasons why a family should be considering this in
1: the first place. Well in general A well-crafted family constitution will accomplish several objectives. Um, It will memorialize a family's principles and values, um, establish checks and balances among different interests as well as ways to protect and address conflicts and communication protocols. It also will promote accountability of the family members and then finally ensure flexibility so that the family can adapt to changes.
0: Fantastic. Well, Hannes, my final question for you: If anybody out there in our audience today is interested in this idea, and maybe they're they're interested in learning more about incorporating a family constitution, maybe into their own wealth plan for their family, what would be the best way to start this process and get a hold of you and your team?
1: Sure, Wayne. Uh, so they can get in touch with our group at. or just email me at hannes.grasher at ubs.com and to get the conversation going to see how we can possibly help them.
0: Fantastic. Well, Hannes, look, I appreciate you. Thank you again for carving some time out of your day to be with us. And uh, we're
1: looking forward to having you back on the next one. Thanks, Ryan. Always good to have another conversation.
0: Alrighty. Thanks again, Hannes. And look, Hey, we want to thank you guys, our audience as always for jumping aboard and being with us on the show today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to leave a comment or subscribe to the show on the platform you're checking us out on today. And of course, share this information with friends and family business owners, really anybody that you think would benefit from these types of conversations. You know, at the end of the day, we're just taking the same strategies and solutions that Hannes is utilizing with his clients at UBS and we're bringing them right here to you guys on this show. And as always, you know, we're, we're diving into different topics each episode, and we would hate to have you miss out on any potentially beneficial information down the road. So for Hottest Grasher, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're going to go ahead and say so long, but we appreciate you being with us on today's installment of Through the Wealth Lens.
2: This communication is intended to be used for educational purposes only and does not constitute a solicitation to purchase any security, insurance, or advisory service. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. An investment in any security involves significant risks, and any investment may lose value. Refer to all risk disclosures related to each security product carefully before investing. This commentary is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be officially those of UVS Financial Services Incorporated and the firm does not verify nor guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products and services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at ubs.com slash relationship summary.